Welcome! You're tuned in to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday Sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the rest of the sermon. I think there's something when you when the podcast starts and you hear a little bit of laughter and it's already kind of going, yeah. I feel like it's good vibes. Yeah. I feel like you're going to be in a safe place. Always on the Joe Rogan podcast, he always goes, are we started? Are we live? And it's like, you're the most popular podcast in the world. <laughs> and you don't know. You have a billion downloads. And it's always like, oh, Jamie, you started the podcast? Wow, this is crazy. So, <laughs> but hey, guys, welcome back. We did have um, a little break last week. We do have some pretty exciting things that we have coming up in the life of the podcast. Miss Haley, why don't you kind of take it away and let them know what we've got um, underway there at the offices and stuff. So yeah, at the Parsonage, at the offices, we are in the process of making our own podcast studio. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Going to have all of our own equipment and going to have a space to have a lot of special guests on the podcast in the future. Going to have some great sponsors coming on. Yeah, that's going to be cool. with the church and it's just going to be some kind of big moves for our podcast. Yeah, it's going to be like kind of pretty legit. Pretty I feel legit. Like. Pretty legit. We're going to have, oh, here we go. We're going to have a space. We're going to have sponsors and we're going to have special guests. Watch yeah. out, Joe Rogan. Westside's coming three, for you. It's the three it S's. It's the three S's. So, yeah. yeah. So, one of the things is we might take a break um, next week as all of that stuff is underway, but we did want to drop in, just catch you up to date with what's going on in the life of the church, let you know how the Upper Room series is going. But we do have something pretty special happening this weekend that's always a ton of fun. Miss Nikki, drop it on us. So, we are having a family. Family picnic. If you are a West Side member, um, after church Sunday, hang around. We are going to grill hot dogs and hamburgers yeah. and have cornhole and maybe horseshoes. I don't know. The yeah. kind of picnic-y games. Um, there will be some kids' potato sack races. Yeah, man. It's just so. literally there's no agenda. None. This isn't fall festival. No. This isn't. It's just like old school. I think of it as like back in the day, whenever you would bring like a pan of fried chicken to church yeah. with you and you would all eat that afterwards. Oh, yeah. uh, well, so, that's like, literally kind literally. of what's happening. Yep. So if you were around West Side early, early on, we actually had yeah. space for family dinners once a month yeah, and man. people miss it. That was and really want cool. That. One of the things we did when West Side started, when West Side started to grow, um, the core people that were there became so nervous and anxious on Sunday morning because they didn't know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. Like they were nervous because they didn't know everybody that was there. So in order to bridge that gap on Sunday evenings, we did family dinners. Mm-hmm. You had to sit at a table with someone you didn't know. If you were at a table with people you knew, I physically came over to your table and asked you to move. Yeah. And then there was like two or three questions in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. And what people didn't realize either is that was like an incubator for community groups. Yeah. Because when we rolled out community groups, it was like, what are community groups? And we were like, hey, do you remember family dinners? They were like, yes. We were like, it's that, but at your house. And they were yeah. like, oh, yeah. okay. So, man, it's going to be awesome. We have a ton of other stuff coming up that you guys are going to hear in the weeks to come. But we have officially launched in the second week of 
the Upper Room Sermon Series. <laughs> the Vision Series. Yeah, man. So here's a funny thing. We um, Westside Women has launched. Mm-hmm. Westside Men has launched officially um, on this past Monday. What's funny is your husband, Mr. John Murphy, the other half of Murphy Music LLC Incorporated, was at the men's table and um, he was talking um, and somebody at the table was like, man, John, you have a really great voice. And I said, uh, yeah, do you not listen to the sermon bumper that plays before, after the text is re- uh, read and before the sermon? And his eyes, Zach's eyes got so big and he went, it is you. Oh, funny. <laughs> it is you. So yeah, you need to check it out. Go on our Facebook page. Everything from the graphics, every line, every image, the music, the voice that you hear is all produced in-house at Westside from our media department, which is incredible, which is awesome. So we're in week two, and what the Upper Room Sermon Series is, is we are spending a couple of months in what is traditionally known as the Upper Room Discourse, which is John chapters 13 through 17. These are Jesus's final words to his disciples on the night that he is to be betrayed. So we did a little introduction, talked about upper room people, lower room people. The future of the church is found in the few, not the many, influence versus impact, all of these things. And then this week was the first week that we sort of dove into the text and the teaching of the text. And so it is in John chapter 13, it's verses 1 through 20, but I am going to read verses 1 through 5, and then read verses 14 through 17, because they all coincide together. So here's how it goes. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, do you, and Simon Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand, but afterward you will. Verse 14, if then I, if, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, I want to hear what sticks out when you hear that. When you hear about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, you hear the text read, what is something that initially just jumps out at you? You also ought to wash one another's feet. It's good. <clears throat> I mean, right? He, just, he breaks it down. Yeah. yeah, and he does it. He does it first. He leads by example. I don't think all leaders do that. Yeah. And I just think it's really hard to argue with God's word when he is doing it yeah yeah and even when and we'll get into it but 
Like Judas is there too. Yeah. So he's washed Judas's. I mean, he's doing it. He's doing all of it. And then he's like, all right, guys, it's your turn. And it's like, what are you going to argue with? You know, what about you, Nikki? What jumps out? So I have said it multiple times and I will forever say it. Peter holds a special place in my heart. For sure. I feel like Peter and I really would have either loved or hated each other. I love it. Um, but the fact that Peter is arguing with Jesus. Yeah. Like, I, and, and going is, from one extreme to the other yes. in his own argument. Yes. yes. And, and guys, you're getting a great insight to who I am as a person <laughs> when I'm telling you these things. So there you go. That Jesus is like, you'll understand. You don't get this now, but you will. Yeah. I have to do this for you. And I'm over here going, would I argue with Jesus? Mm, would I? Because again, like I don't do it on the daily, <laughs> hourly, sometimes moment to moment. The yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that always just that Peter is just so Peter. Yep. But then when you broke it down in the week before, so yeah. if you've not listened to the intro, please go and listen to that. It's pretty important. It really is that Peter is always listed first. Yep. And I'm going, oh, okay. So Peter's kind of the bonehead that does sure. things. Yeah. But he was so close to Jesus. He so was one real. of the three yeah. that he was real and he's arguing with his best friend. Yeah. He knows Jesus is Jesus, yeah. but he's arguing with his friend. And I think that relationship being shown <laughs> there just it. really brings me That's such good. comfort and joy. I said Sunday that if there is an ounce, uh, I mean, any inkling of teacher preacher in you, this text makes you like salivate at the mouth. Yeah, It's a narrative form. So it's all there. Like the narrative, you are watching a movie. The the thing that sticks out to me is the amount of verbs that John uses. And it's, he rose from supper, laid aside, he takes the towel. He, I mean, it is, John does not, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does not waste a single word depicting all of this stuff. So Nick, just kind of walk us through a little bit of what this was. In the beginning, I did just like, I mean, Queen Elizabeth, guys. Right. This is huge. Yeah. We are seeing, I'm so, wait, oh my gosh, I almost said, I'm so glad my kids are getting to watch this, but she died. So I'm not glad no. about that at all. Goodness gracious. But what it's I'm- a learning opportunity. Yes. It's a historical so, moment. Yes. I mean, like, guys, this is as- don't ban me here. I, I love old America, but this is a much bigger deal than a president. Absolutely. Rick and I had this conversation this morning. 100%, guys. This is the last ruling, really functioning, mon- I mean, honestly, it's the last functioning monarchy in the world. Mm-hmm. Canada doesn't count. They're haywire. All of this stuff. But like, we are seeing this. We're going to see an ascension. Yeah. Will he abdicate and give it to his son? Probably not because he's super prideful. Right. So, <laughs> but, but it's a big deal. In our lifetime, though, yes. we are not going to see. Yes. Like, I'm, list, I'm, 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 an, I'm a nerd. Yeah. Um, and historical audiobooks are my jam right now. Love it. And I'm listening to um, a Harry Truman biography, yeah. and they're talking about Churchill in this. By David and, McCullough? Uh, maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's it's one the, of the accidental main one. president. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I love it. We're listening to this, and the queen was there. Like, Harry Truman signed yes. letters for the queen. Okay, Harry Truman from way back. 
And yes. now my kids yes. are teenagers. Your kids are little. Yes. Maeve is tiny. Maeve may not remember. Maeve not going to remember. Right. But there's a you moment. To, I mean, you have to go. We're talking 70 years. Yes. So here's a fun fact that I've just been bubbling to talk about. And this podcast seems to be the appropriate place to do hey. that. <laughs> What's very interesting is, is Queen Elizabeth was number one, extremely traditional because her father mm-hmm. was. She loved her father. You, If, if you want to know anything about Queen Elizabeth, you need to look up her father. Yeah. Huge deal. Well, the queen is, I know this is going to sound crude. The the queen doesn't really have power Mm -hmm. in the monarchy. She's a symbol. She's a mascot. Really, her number one job is to bring tourists. I'm, I'm sorry, but that really is what the job is for the family, all of that. But she is a massive religious symbol. Yeah. Because there's no separation of church and state. So... She was very private about her position in the Church of England until a young whippersnapper from North Carolina went over to London and did a crusade for 20 days. His name was Billy Graham. She goes and listens to Billy Graham and then invites him to come to the palace for tea. And he does this multiple times. And from that moment, I mean, you can watch her reign and her outspokenness, her religious faith. From that moment forward, everything changes for Mm. Queen Elizabeth because the interaction of Billy Graham. That's pretty cool. It's really incredible. But the whole reason why we're talking about this is because... On her 70th um, anniversary, which is insane to say, it's called the Jubilee. The Diamond Jubilee. Yeah, she writes a letter to the people, and she says a word over and over. The last sentence is, I would hope that I would get to continue to serve you. And then she signs the letter, your servant, Elizabeth. Mm. And I would argue that the reason why the world is mourning her loss so much is because, not because of the grace and the elegance but because of the humility. She was royalty, literally by the definition, but lived in such humility. And I said that really, if you could title this passage, it could be the king's humility Mm. um, in regards to that. And so we know a little bit of context, right? That's what happens at the supper, is that the disciples in Luke's gospel tells us that they get into an argument at the Last Supper, about, quote, in Luke twenty two twenty four, who is to be the greatest among them? And just a round of applause for the disciples, guys, right? <laughs> because these guys are at a meal with Jesus, and they're arguing about who is going to have a certain rank in the kingdom of God. And that gives us hope, guys. That gives us hope that these guys still don't get it. And so, Nick, what was our big idea? Each week, we're looking at a mark of what it is to be an upper room. So we're building on these each week. And and what was it this week? So this week, the big idea was humble service is the mark of every disciple. Yeah, man, this is where Jesus starts. Like, think about this. This is his big speech. This is the last night. I, I saw this meme once that said, what would you do if you knew that you had one night to live and had all this stuff? And it yeah. said, Jesus knew and he washed feet. Yeah. 24 feet. Mm-hmm. Think about it. 24 feet Jesus washed. Look, I just came back from the SEMO District Fair last week. Right. And I wore 
uh, sandals one day, yes. and we call them fair feet for a reason. <laughs> because it man, is I wish I like knew that phrase. I would have said that in the sermon. Oh, yeah. I can smell it and see oh. it as soon oh. as you say fair feet. Yeah, and, and and guys, we have to understand something that indoor plumbing is barely a hundred years old. Yeah, it I was mean, not there. I mean, seriously, even in major cities, the bubonic plague carried because they dump the buckets out in the road. So in Jesus's day, the back alleys behind the house is where all that. So I oh. did want to argue with Jesus a little bit when okay. he was like, "If you've bathed, then all you need to do is wash your feet." And yeah. I was like, "I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> like, know, buddy. I don't know. You might also need to bathe." See, <laughs> like, see, guys don't wash their feet because they think like I'm in the soapy water, Ugh. right? Like that kind of counts, right? I'm not saying I do that. I'm just saying I think yeah. that would be popular. But so what we did is we we sort of walked through the text. There's four principles that we just said. Listen, we know when we talk about humble service. Boom. Yeah. We we get defensive. Absolutely. And and we're like, okay, hold up. Um, who am I serving? How much? This, that, and the other. So we just took our time. We walked through the text. And I think we kind of shot down some arguments from the text about humble service. Um, I will say this. I love you. And you shot my first one down. <laughs> the, ver- the very first point is the one I hear the most. I and I it. get it. When people see me coming, they want to run and hide. Yep. Um, but... The first point being, I am never too busy for humble service. Yeah, man. And and we pulled that from the phrase, the feast of the Passover. Mm-hmm. And I tried to describe this. It's very hard to. Their whole year revolved around this day. So this yeah. goes back to the book of Exodus, Moses, God saves millions of Israelites out of the bondage of slavery under the Egyptians and Pharaoh God does these incredible miracles, the locusts, the rivers of blood. Which one of the miracles would have freaked you out the most? So we, you know, we're talking, I mean, number one, obviously the firstborn dying. Hello, that's a big deal. That was the last one. That's when (laughs) Pharaoh was like, get out of here. Okay. But I really feel like the blood would have freaked me out. The The locusts. The locusts are, yeah. But here's the deal. The stench. There was one where like there was a awful stench with the blood and all of that in the river. I think that would have got me. I think I would have went nose blind to that. The bugs would have freaked me out. Yeah, they're yeah, they were the everywhere. Would've. It's just like a visible like yeah. I can see it. Yes. I don't know. Like, I feel like we're experiencing that right now with grasshoppers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but the sa- and that's the thing cuz like oh. the jumping bugs freak me out. Oh, that's sick. But I think the sound of the like cuz they yeah, Dude, I, on a hot day when the wind blows in your face, get out of here. I need to shower, change my clothes. I am too fly for that, son. Okay. <laughs> so, but here's what we did. We know what Jesus's last week was of his life. Yeah. The gospels coincide this. I'm not going to go through all of this, guys, but from Sunday to Thursday, when we talk about I'm never too busy to serve, I was like, well, if Jesus is our example, what was he doing the last week of his life? Um, he was just doing things like Sunday, thousands of people on the triumphal entry. Um, he was going into Bethany. He walks two miles. Monday, he leaves Bethany, curses the fig tree, weeps over Jerusalem, cleanses the temple. Tuesday, leaves Bethany, finds the fig tree withered, teaches about that. Uh, the Olivet Discourse, which by the way, in the Olivet Discourse, he predicts the future. Light Tuesday. Wednesday, prepares for the supper. Thursday's a huge day. That night, he gets betrayed. All of this. 
And what we said, Nikki, was serving isn't a part of being a Christian. Serving's at the heart yeah. of being a Christian, right? Um, and if I could say anything, I think it's this. If you're trying to juggle this, if, if you go, okay, here's our family calendar first and foremost, and here's the ball games, the soccer games, mm -hmm. the all of this stuff, then you have like the two weekends left and you go, well, we got to go to the river cabin on one of those. Yeah. So it's it, it looks like the last Sunday of the month is going to be, or the last day that we have, we're going to try to cram in this church thing. Yeah. That is going to be exhausting. I can, when it comes to this, you're never, never too busy. I would challenge you if you think you are, if if you felt like Jason stomped your feet on this, um, talk to anybody who works sure. in a church setting yep. because they're going to show you their calendar is just as busy. Yeah, um, I'm going to challenge you in a way yeah. to what are you showing your kids? I want to get real personal here, Haley, and put you guys on the spot, but really give you a spotlight. Um, you were telling me about what you and John have just done with y'all's schedule so John could be at Man Mondays and stuff like that. Can you just kind of fill us in on on what you guys had going? You knew this was coming and kind of what you guys did? Yeah, so um, we had a switch at church from men meeting on Wednesday to men meeting on Monday. Yeah. And um, we have Murphy Music and Media, and we teach music lessons out of our home on Mondays and Tuesdays and just kind of like had a, a moment of like, this takes priority. Like we need community. We need to be in the word. We need held accountable. Yeah. And, you know, I get to do that with women and he should get that opportunity with men. We are at church a lot, yeah. but it's not always in a way to get poured into. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so that's a hundred percent an avenue that like our family needs. Yeah. And so we switched our days of teaching from Tuesday to Wednesday, which means we now have zero free days, but <laughs> yeah. so I'm not sure that's like the best for the calendar aspect, but it yeah. was, it was a priority of like, Hey, that, that has to come first. And Man. that's also going to like, if our relationship with Jesus is better yeah. and our relationship with fellow believers is yeah. better, our marriage is going to be yes. better. Yep. Raising Maeve is going to be better. Yep. Yeah. I mean, just the, the trickle effect of that, when you look at that, as opposed to like, well, that's going to be inconvenient to change our business model. Sure. It's like, okay, well, it's going to fix a lot of things. Yeah. It's going to be inconvenient for a little bit. Yeah. And then also like prayed over it, talked about it. And the amount of our students who were just like, yeah, we'll follow you guys to Wednesday. Yeah. And like the Lord just provided that. Yeah. I love it. Like some faith Man. and obedience, but just like that it, it didn't affect things as greatly as we thought it might. And so, I mean, when you guys told me that, that was just incredible. Kudos to you guys for doing that. That's so cool, man. I think, though, that does show the heart, that it is prioritized. Yeah. And when you make that first, like, first fruit is yeah. real because it is work. It is what happens. And that kind of leads into your second point. Humble service is hard. <laughs> yeah, that I was love it. <laughs> yeah, that was a really theologically deep yeah. um point. But so it had to be said. Yeah, it's it's building off of but again, this is really in the text and John's setting the scene for us and we're going to get into this 
really heavy this week in regards to Judas and betrayal and the son of perdition and what does that mean and all of this stuff. But we know from the seating arrangements from the scriptures how this would have been arranged. So they were on tables that were only like five or six inches off the ground, and they they really lean into the table and they rest on one arm and almost lean against the person that you're next to. This is a Middle Eastern meal. Think Aladdin or something like that, okay? There's pillows everywhere, and then the meal is there, and then you eat with the other hand. So we know from scriptures that John is says something to Jesus and he leans back and put his he puts his head on Jesus's chest. Mm. So we know that John is right next to Jesus, which is very symbolic in the gospels, right? Then we know that Peter wants to know what's going on and when Jesus washes Peter's feet, he has to get to him. So Peter's probably on the other side of the table, kind of how it's set up, almost like a U shape here. Then when they're asking about who's going to betray him, he says, it's the person that I dip this morsel of bread, which think about your favorite queso place. Everybody has a theory <laughs> in Popper Bluff about who has the best cheese dip, right? And so Je- it's not a theory, it's a fact, I know. Jesus <laughs> dips the bread into this stuff and he hands it to Judas. Right. And for him to hand it to Judas would inevitably mean that Judas is next to Jesus. So you have John on one side representing light and a true upper room disciple. And then you have Judas on the other side of Jesus representing darkness, representing the betrayal and all of those things. And I just humbly submitted and said, you know, one of the verses that sticks out to me that you could preach an entire sermon on is when it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Mm. Like, to the end, man. I mean, all the way to Calvary. And so we just submitted this. What if the answer to your relational conflict is actually pulling people closer and serving them rather than pushing them away? Because what we have in the text is, if, if that's the second verse John tells us, he wants to know, he wants to tell us something's important, that Jesus loved his disciples to the end. So the appropriate Bible study question is, well, what does love look like? Yeah. Next verse, he unwraps the, the outer garments, he puts on the towel. So the lower you go in humility, the higher you go in love. So, it, so just listen, this stings. But the better you want your relationships to work, the lower you need to get in humility. And I heard a guy say it this way, and I've never forgot it. I've taught it, and I've given the person credit every time I've said it. You can make a point or you can make a difference, but you can't do both. Yeah. And oftentimes we really want to make a point that either the other person's wrong or that you're right. And guess what? Sometimes all the evidence points to that. Yeah. And you're right. But it's like, in a round of applause, congratulations, you're right. And the conflict still exists and the relationship isn't good or you can make a difference. And so, man, this week we're going to learn a lot about sin and relationships and a lot of those things. But humble service is hard. 
It's it, hard. It's opposite of worldly views. The world doesn't tell you if you're fighting with someone to love them more. It says, oh, if you're fighting with them, you know, what was it you said during the thing? Uh, Chuck Deuces and Beat Rocks. <laughs> right, My daughter, rocks. that was in her notes. Right. That was in Jolie's notes. That That's actually an old Chris Brown song, <laughs> Chunking Up the Deuces. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So we're going into the third point. What is that, Nikki? I can't humbly serve until I have been humbled by service. Yeah, this is the way that... that so there's a lot going on theologically, Peter's conversation with Jesus. What Jesus is saying is, Peter... This washing is symbolic of salvation, yeah. right? So I have spoken a word to you, and you are clean, and I'm washing you guys and preparing you for service. Peter doesn't get it, but what Jesus is essentially saying is what we said, Peter, you have to let me serve you in order for you to go out and serve other people. This is the very essence of our gospel, guys, yeah. is, is you know, amazing grace. We love the hymn. What do we sing in Amazing Grace? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. If you're saying you're found, you're also admitting that you were lost. And so one of the applications was you can't give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And man, if there's ever been marriage advice, (laughs) and and anytime I sit couples down in premarital and all of this, it is this statement. The love, grace, grace, mercy and patience and forgiveness that you are committing, by the way, your life to, to this person. What you are saying is that the forgiveness I have, this person is first in line for it. They get all my forgiveness, all my mercy, all my grace, all my patience. You have to be pulling from a well in order to give that. And I think when it comes to serving we, we just said it this way, that your salvation is your motivation to serve, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to wait until the apology, or I'm going to wait. It's like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God always makes the first move and initiates. It's You don't have a lot of arguments and excuses no. to sit back and to say, I'm not going to give this because we were given this in the gospel, you know? We say that about work, though, and sure. friendships and things of the world. Yeah. Oh, well, they bought me dinner last time. I'll buy them this. You know, <laughs> sure. We're willing to do it on that level, but when we yeah. won't take that moment yeah. or don't, maybe it's spiritual immaturity. Sure. Who knows? Everybody's got their own whatever. Yeah. But when you stop and really think and you pause on that humility, that yeah. humility, when you can sit there and think, okay, these are Jesus's last days. And then this is what he endured at Calvary. Yeah. Can I give up two hours on a Sunday? Right. I think it's going to be worth it. And, and I want to say something. When you were talking about the world's way of you do this, I do this, that's a contract. Yeah. It's contractual. It's saying if you fulfill your end, I'll fulfill my end. But the moment you don't fulfill your end, I'm out. And the Bible doesn't use contractual language. No. It uses covenantal language. All relationships from marriage to church to all of these things are covenantal. A contract is based on performance. A covenant is based upon a promise. So so your wedding vows, I, I try to explain this to people on the day of their wedding and they don't understand. Your vows have nothing to do with that day. No. They are a future promise, for better, for worse, for richer and poorer. What you're saying is the moment my marriage is at its worst, I promised on my wedding day that I am here. Yeah in that day. 
And that's the game changer. You you can't humbly serve until you've been humbled by service. I think it's just also important to remember like where you're drawing from. Yes. Because I think there's a lot of times even personally that I draw from myself yep. or I draw from the people around me yep. and they are not perfect, nor do they have that to be drawn from. And yeah. so just like when we're talking about being served, we're not even necessarily talking about being served by other people. And then you take that. Yeah. It's like God serves you <sighs> and he is a bottomless pit to, yeah. you know, just like he can handle that. Yeah. And I have to be very careful all of the time where I am drawing that energy to serve others from. I think that's super wise, man. I mean, because, you know, ladies, guys are the same way. You've got something going on in your marriage and you know, guys, those coworkers that you could around the water cooler. And then next thing you know, you're tar and feathering your husband. And the same goes, you know, for guys and their wives like there's a ton of wisdom there, Haley, in but what th- you're saying. I think the text even shows that. He dipped the oil and gave it the yeah. bread to Judas. Yes. They were there. It doesn't say how they reacted to like, Jesus did doing gas? that. Right. Did they yeah. were they like, so it's this guy? So, like yeah, so what Judas I was, don't So we're gonna get into that this yeah, week okay. and, and there is a haunting statement in question that I just don't think we understand what it even means mm. because it is spooky when you read it in its context and you're like, what? So, yep, listen this week. And so he's not answering the question. It's yeah, just, come not, back. Yep, come, come back. <laughs> come back. Because like come my back. worldly view, and that's why I'm now excited for Sunday because I'm comparing Judas in this being like the worldly view, sure. having that contractual language. And sure. Then, well, I'll give you a preview. Yeah, okay? okay. All right. Here's the preview. So Jesus, it says um, in verse 21, after saying these things, he becomes troubled in his spirit. So Jesus has a physical countenance mm-hmm. on him that the disciples are like, are, is there something wrong with the meat? Like, are you, <laughs> you okay? And he's saying, one of you is going to betray me. Jesus says it three times mm. during the meal. Okay, talk about anxiety bombs, right. right? He keeps saying it. And you know what the disciples say? Who is it? Yeah. They don't know it's Judas, which tells me that sin is very sneaky. Mm-hmm. That Judas is sharing this meal and Peter, James, and John, who were in the three, yeah. had no idea it was Judas. They actually asked this question. Is it I? Is it me? Right. Yeah. Is it I? Like, does he know what I thought that other day? I was in the bathroom or so. Like, like yeah, I no, mean, yeah. they become little children. And man, in the context of our sermon, when we understand what the significance of that is, that you can talk the talk, that you can walk the walk, that you can be around, mm-hmm. that you can play the role, and it, by all appearance, it looks like that you are there with Jesus. But the reality is, is that Judas is not at this meal with Jesus is, is crazy. So we got a last one, Nikki. What is it? The last one is there is a blessing in humble service. And it's right there in the text, right? Yeah. <laughs> Verse 17, Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Yeah. And I, I should have put this sentence in because it was a lot better. But serving's not an attitude. 
it's not just an attitude, it's an action. Yeah. Right? Yes, it is an attitude and yes, it is a mindset, but it's not about this big Bible knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like what we tend to do is go, well, let's study the Last Supper. And and that's what we're doing in the sermon series, but it's always, guys, the application of scripture is always obedience. Yeah. How do I apply this to my life? What do I need to do? What promise do I need to claim? What sin do I need to repent of? And we said that God always blesses obedience. Yeah. And so, listen, I don't know what you're going through, what big decision you're planning, any of that stuff. The outcome of that decision is not your responsibility. That's God's. Obedience is your responsibility. And that's just very simply it. And the way that I've always taught this text is, you know, we're looking at lower room and upper room people, right? G- Jesus is distinguishing this. Earlier on in John's gospel in John 6, all these crowds are following Jesus. And 100%, they want a free meal. That's just all they want. And Jesus turns to the crowd in John 6, 26 and just says, you know what? No more free meals, guys. No more free. The only reason you're following me is because you want a free meal. And everybody leaves, and then the board of trustees holds a meeting, and they're like, that sermon was pretty harsh. <laughs> Our church attendance dropped by 60%. This, you know, I just think it's so funny that Jesus preached a sermon that cleared the church, mm-hmm. and that if a pastor did that on Sunday, people would be like, that was mean. Why did you say? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I said, when you think of a lower room person, I showed a picture of Roman on his first birthday with his big watermelon head. Um, he had a a bib on eating the cake. I remember this at Maeve's party, eating that oh, cake yeah. and diving into it, right? Babies wear bibs yep. because a baby's whole life functions off of feed me, take care of me, and I'll let you know when you're not, okay? <laughs> but if you lower the bib down to your waist, it becomes an apron. And we just sort of ended with the picture of when I think about church, and I think about these relationships. Am I wearing a bib? Am I going, nobody's calling me, nobody's talking to me, nobody asking me, and it's me, 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 me? When are we going to lower the bib yeah. and let it become an apron? And an apron symbolizes humble service in that sense. And so that's the first mark of an upper room disciple is that humble service is the mark of every disciple. I'm really excited about the series. I have enjoyed it. We have gotten a few questions. Let's have it. Um, I love not it. Not a whole lot. So it's all good. I, um, so when in the intro week, week one, yep, you broke down how it was. We'll get into that in a second. You okay. broke down that there were thousands. Yeah, sure. Then there was 120. Yeah, sure. 72. Yep. The disciples were the 12, and they were in the upper upper room, yep. and then he had his core group of his three. Sure. Okay. What separated, other than Jesus saying, you, 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 and you, Yeah. when you go from 72 to 12? It's good. It's a great question. What separated that? Who yeah. made that cut? It's really good. Well, first, I'll answer it from a sociological perspective, that most sociologists believe that one human being has a max amount of relational energy in them for 70 to 80 people. So one, that's why most churches in America 
are 50 to 60 to 70 people because yeah, they the pastor because is. they all want their pastor yeah. on speed dial to be there for everything. So number one, I would say that when you jump from that 70 and go down to the 12, I would say number one, that's a natural relational barrier just on the onset. Number two, when you get to the 12, that is we see it in Mark's gospel, Matthew's gospel. There's a section where it says he calls the 12 to himself. Mm -hmm. So this is Jesus taking on a responsibility saying he prays all night to choose them. He stays up all night, goes on a mountain that next morning. He calls them, he names them, and then he sends them out. And so what separates that is really Jesus saying, because I firmly believe the Bible teaches that leadership chooses leadership. Mm -hmm. So the people that are in leadership are going to choose leadership. So Jesus is leading these masses. He looks at people who've been already serving, has these characteristics, and calls them to himself and equips them and says, you guys are going to sort of be the upper room, top tier of leadership in that. And then he sends them out. The apostles are a very small group. I mean, there's no more big A apostles living anymore. The book of Ephesians would say that the apostles were the foundation of the church. How many foundations do you have in your house? One, One, right? And so that's the one foundation of the church. So to succinctly answer that, I think, A, there's a sociological relational barrier there. But two, that is strictly Jesus choosing who he wants to carry out this ministry. And what really equates an apostle is that Jesus called them, named them, sent them, and then came to them in post-resurrection. Every one of those disciples Jesus came to after he was resurrected, and they were like, we get it now. You be (laughs) death. This is incredible. So yes, that's how I would succinctly answer that question. Do we have another one? Yes. All right. Okay. Of the 12 that were named, Mm -hmm. Luke and Paul were not named, even though they've written so much of the gospel Mm. and of the Bible. It's a great question. Yeah. So where do they fall in this upper room? Yep. Yeah. So number one, they're not apostles. There's so many. There's a lot. That would okay, get that wrong. So Luke is just a gospel writer. When you go to the first, if you open your Bible right now to Luke one verses one and two, it reads this: "O Theophilus, I have endeavored to write to you an orderly account of the life of Jesus." I completely winged that, and if it says that, I am flexing <laughs> hard. Okay, basically that's what it says. Luke is a investigative journalist paid by Theophilus to write about the life of Jesus. Now, we begin to know that Luke also becomes Paul's secretary. Mm -hmm. So just base level, Luke is not an apostle. He's a gospel writer, okay? Secondly, there is a ton of controversy about Paul Mm -hmm. because Judas leaves the twelve. So that's 11. Right. Well, there has to be 12 disciples to replace the 12 tribes of Israel, is what most scholars believe. In Acts, we see that the disciples prematurely cast lots, which is not really a biblical uh, prescription, and they pick Matthias, Matthias' mm-hmm. lot. Some churches are called Matthias's lot. Interesting. We see nothing of Matthias in the New Testament. He doesn't say a word. Every other apostle writes a book of the Bible. We hear from them in Acts. They do a miracle. I think, this is my own personal opinion, I think the disciples prematurely chose Matthias without Jesus' instructions. Oh. 
and Paul was supposed to be the 12th apostle. That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy, I am the least of the apostles, for I was chosen last. So the apostle Paul is an apostle because he was commissioned by the resurrected Jesus in Acts 9, but he is not in the quote-unquote 12 that Jesus chose. But he is the Apostle Paul by church history standards. He meets that criteria. He was not in the room that day. He was not in the room that day. He doesn't get saved till years, years later. Right now, Paul is probably in Pharisee school or something during <laughs> that time, you know? So those are great questions, those, those man. Were, yeah, those oh, were two of them I got. I love like, it. Oh. Yeah, so okay. Luke, not an apostle. Paul is an apostle, but he's not one of the 12. And my own humble opinion is, is that the disciples were not supposed to choose Matthias as the 12th because we never hear from him because it was supposed to be Paul. So gotcha. it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Hey, guys, just remember, we've got the church picnic coming up this Sunday. And over the next couple of Sundays, if you are a covenant member at Westside, you're going to be getting a lot of good information about some really, really exciting stuff that we have coming up in the life of the church, expansion of staff, all kinds of really cool stuff, guys. It's going to be really, really cool. And Haley, we've got something else coming to the inbox of people to help communicate, keep them up to date. Give a little preview of that. We are going to have a Westside newsletter, and it should be coming out at the end of September. We're going to try to have it sent out about twice a month, once at the beginning of the month and once at the end. Yeah. The beginning, kind of give you a preview of what's coming up. Yep. At the end, kind of recap everything, make sure our focus is correct, and yeah. celebrate what we've done in the month. Yeah, so. man. And I'm going to have a little blurb in that newsletter to let you know what nerdy book that I'm reading or something mm-hmm. like that. So make sure, if you haven't filled out a connection card on Sunday, guys, this is why we push this stuff is because we do have information and we want to be able to communicate and send all of that stuff out. So we love you guys. We're not going to have a podcast next week because we're going to be busy swinging hammers, um, building out the new studio space there at the office. But we are super excited about everything that we have coming up in the life of the podcast. If you have any questions at all, send us a question at info at westsidepb.org. And until we meet again, never forget, it is all about Jesus. See you guys.